Not ready? Too bad. Head back, face forward, and hold on like you mean it! Hello and welcome to Review Time's Theme Podcast. This is a weekly show where we discuss all the ins and outs of attractions and parks from around the world. My name is Luke and I will be your host today as we once again jump back into the Magic Kingdom after our one-week spooky hiatus. This week we complete the rest of Fantasyland after we explored Storybook Circus a few weeks ago. Joining me as always is the man who thinks the real Fantasyland would be one where the Magic Kingdom got a new e-ticket attraction sometime in the last 30 years. It's my Review Time co-host Dominic Lacey. I always hear this complaint where people are like, oh, Disneyland and Walt Disney World, they never get new attractions. We're stuck here in the Stone Age. There's just (laughs) nothing to do. And I'm like, Movie World, I don't think, has had a new attraction for like five years. SeaWorld's new attraction. Well, the Magic Kingdom's older. (laughs) The Movie World's had a new attraction sooner than Magic Kingdom, right? Oh, true. The last That's... major, at least for major attraction, the last major attraction I can think of, hey, and fittingly, it's in this land, the last major attraction I can think of is Seven Dwarves, which is back in 2014. That is, yes, actually, that is quite a long time ago. Look, they were on track to have a new one with Tron Light Cycle, <laughs> yeah. but as, as be... with all things, the, yeah. the construction of Tron is used as a constant measurement of time. <laughs> Uh, so they actually it's like glacially slow. <laughs> they will measure things based on Tron's <laughs> construction phase. So they're like, ah, oh, yes, yeah. The an atom turning into a hydrogen atom in a sun. Uh, that's uh, three Tron light cycle constructions at the Magic Kingdom. <laughs> that was well, that was announced twenty seventeen D twenty three. I want to say, which is hmm. five years ago, and it's looking like it won't open for at least another year. But if you look. Before then, if we're just talking about e-ticket attractions, I wouldn't say Seven Doors Mine Train is quite an e-ticket ride. It's yeah, a really it- good D-ticket, but it's the dark ride section's a little too short and the coaster section's a little too short to look, give a look, uh, fully satisfying up. ride. Hold uh, are we just... Are we just jumping into discussion? This does well, I not was about seem to like bring the- up what I thought the last <laughs> e-ticket was, so it was going to be quickly jumping away because I would say that the last e-ticket attraction in this park was probably Splash Mountain back in 1992, I think. No, there was uh, Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor, uh, oh, which is not yeah. an e-ticket. Uh, well, it is in our eyes. Uh, and then there was also <laughs> Stitch. Stitch came sometime. I don't yeah. know when Stitch Stitch's was. Stitch's Great but... Escape was 04. I guess the, the thing in which... Uh, you like could a, maybe say the... extraterrestrial, but even I would say that's probably a D ticket. Yeah, it's it's hard because you sort of based it off both personal preference as well as what the Imagineers say, and even their standards are fairly high as to what classifies as an E ticket. Like, a lot mm. of people say if you make the argument technically... Well, like, for all intents and purposes, compared to most attractions, the Star Wars ride at Galaxy's Ed, where, well, they're all Star Wars rides, but the one where you fly the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, both of those could, are e-tickets. Like, if Star sure. Tours is an e-ticket, then definitely Smuggler's Run is an e-ticket. So- yeah. Well, <laughs> when, so, yeah, when Fan- uh, sorry, Magic Kingdom opened, there was, like, five e-tickets. It was... um. 
20,000 leagues, <laughs> small world, so- jungle cruise, the tropical serenade, aka the tiki room, and the haunted Ooh. mansion. Other. So, For a second there, it's like, for us to discuss Fantasyland at the Magic Kingdom today, we're going to go all the way back to 1902. 1902? <laughs> but but yeah, I, yeah, I don't know much about early Magic Kingdom. I've seen some pictures and there was one where it's like, there was a time where Big Thunder Mountain existed, but Splash Mountain didn't. Mm. And there's just this empty field. Yeah. It's not okay. When you see that picture. <laughs> it looks it's, weird, yeah. When you <laughs> it's re- when you expect something and you know something so well, looking a very particular way, like yeah. same for me when you look, Disneyland's a big one. That park has changed so much over the years, and you oh, kind of yeah. connect to a park based on what it looks like the first time you go. To yeah. me, like so, yeah. for me for to, uh, Magic Kingdom, I never went to the Magic Kingdom before New Fantasyland was open, so. Mm. You know, 20,000 Leagues Lagoon wasn't there. It was, you know, I think of it as Be Our Guest Restaurant. I think of it as um, Seven Doors Mine Train. Those are Fantasyland just as much as the first generation, you know, Small World, Peter Pan, that type of Fantasyland. To me, I never got to experience that. The early Fantasyland, mm. yeah, or the the early Magic Kingdom. Well, yeah. somebody pointed out the other day, and for long-time listeners of the podcast, you poor souls, um, <laughs> they, they know that I went to Walt Disney World in 1999. I remember things about Hollywood Studios. I remember things about uh, Epcot, and I remember mm-hmm. things about Animal Kingdom. Do you want to know the only thing that I remember about the Magic Kingdom? It's mm. one thing. That's Just the, the one? only thing yeah. I remember. It's Donald Duck's butt in uh, the video ride. Fantas, not Fantas. Philhar Magic. Philhar Magic. Philhar Magic's not 1999. Well, what fake butt memories. Am I rem- what oh butt no, am I fake memories. <laughs> My whole life is a lie. <laughs> it would have been uh, back then. I believe it would have been the Legend of the Lion King. Could it have been the? There is a similar effect in Muppets. Was Muppets around in 1999? Uh, yeah, so Muppets had, but that has like the Swedish chef wheels out the cannon and then it blows yeah. up. Maybe it was that. Okay, so in that case, uh, I don't remember the Magic Kingdom. Yeah, yeah, it would have been Legend of the Lion King at that point because that runs in the 90s and then Philhar's like 2002, maybe 2003, like early 2000s. Uh, because I remember when they made, like, it was one, the Magic Kingdom was the first place for it to open. Mm. And it's like the only place that hasn't been upgraded to the new projector yet. So it's the well, oldest and the worst version of the ride. The reason I remember is because you know how when you've like seen a show and it's something mm. like Philhar Magic or you see Muppets and someone with you hasn't seen it, I remember a vivid memory of my dad, like, tapping me on the shoulder to be like, look behind you, there's yeah. something back there. And I remember being probably blown away being chef, like, yeah. yeah, so it must have been the Swedish chef. In that case, like, I went to this park when it had 20,000 leagues, when it had the the Skyway. I don't remember any of it. It would have been good if I had working, functioning memory back then, but apparently I don't think I it don't. had either of those two. <laughs> 
What am I remembering? <laughs> You're going to this dreamland. Because I'm pretty sure, like, uh, 20,000 leagues lasts about 25-ish years at max. So that would be 96. Okay. Huh. I, I don't know. I don't know what park my parents took me to, but it must not have <laughs> been the Magic like, Kingdom. Maybe you bought a video. You know, you could buy those uh, Your Day at the Magic Kingdom video. Maybe you yes. bought one of those, yep. brought it home, but you, somehow they'd left out a VHS from uh, 1978 <laughs> instead, and you'd accidentally bought that, and that's what you now think the Magic Kingdom is. Well, as part of the... Like, my parents did it legit back in 1999, like, when you would go with a, a tour guide company. Mm. So we had all of this stuff where they would just ship you over a thing, and it's like, watch this video, this is the Magic Kingdom, and we'd all gather yeah, around, and it's like, we're cool. going there, yay. But I think what the happened- vacation okay, planning? I've DVDs? got a conclusion, is that- we rocked up to the Magic Kingdom that day, and there was a really long line. This this guy in sort of a big trench coat walks over to my parents. He's got a big, big <laughs> bushy moustache. He's got, like, thinning hair. Surprisingly, he looks like me at the moment, and he's wearing <laughs> a big hood. Uh, and he walks over to my family. He's like, oh, I, you, you want to wait in this line? This line's going to take you two hours. It's a Charles Dickens character yeah, of as course. well. I like um, every villain. My parents are like, oh, well, what are we going to do? He's like, oh, I've got a better Magic Kingdom for you. And it's like this box. It's a box that has the Skyway, Donald mm-hmm. Duck's butt, and 20,000 leagues. And my parents just sat me in there for the day. That's the Everything's only conclusion an I can come in there. That's where, that's where they all went. <laughs> but yeah, It's like a like- failed Imagineer. <laughs> exactly. The crazy thing is... As we were saying earlier at the top of the show, we can talk about Fantasyland today, even though I haven't been since 2016, the very start of 2016, because Mm. nothing new has been added since then. So it's very easy to talk about. We'll do it as we always do. We generally just go through the map, talking about the stuff that we come across on the way in their numbering system, which is always a little bit strange because it goes like, you know, logical, logical, and then sometimes it'll just jump halfway across. But this one looks relatively logical, I guess. Well, to a degree. So it goes like, let's say you're walking underneath the castle and you've entered Fantasyland. I have to say, I have never started my day with Fantasyland, Mm-mm. so there is very rarely a time where I enter the park, walk under the castle, and go to Fantasyland. I Mm-mm. imagine it's something that people do with families, but I'm going over to the left of the park because that's everyone goes to the right for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> and so it goes, you know, as you walk under the castle, you look out and you see the carousel. Yep, that's number 40. Then you look to your left and you see Philhar Magic with Donald Duck's butt. And then 42 is Peter Pan. That's nearby. 43, it's a small world. A little bit of a walk, but still close. And then it just goes under the sea journey of the Little Mermaid, which is like a whole walk yeah. away. It's like You're pretty, five, ten minutes. You have to go past Seven Dwarves Mine Train to get to Little Mermaid, yet Little Mermaid is the next number. It's very <laughs> strange. But we'll and start- between 41 and 42 is 58. That's logical. Just- <laughs> <laughs> but we've, I think we've never talked about it. Oh, no, we've talked about the carousel at Tokyo for about two minutes because there's literally nothing to talk about when you talk about a carousel. That's true. But this <laughs> one, if I remember correctly, so I, I've listened to a little bit of history 
about Walt Disney World uh, from a good friend here, Luke, because he did a big 30-minute video on it. And part of my job <laughs> of review time is to proof everything Luke makes, and Luke has to proof everything I make. So we watch mm-hmm. each other's videos all the time. And if I remember correctly, wasn't this like an actual vintage carousel? Like they brought it in, they retrofitted it out, they got all of the like the actual organ inside it, they fitted that to play proper Disney tunes. Like from what I remember, yeah. this is like this is a legit antique. I don't know if yeah. it is anymore, but when it first came no, in, it, it still was. is. Uh, so oh, nice. this is a, a PTC, Philadelphia Toboggan Company, very old school name um, in... <laughs> a toboggan company? You do, PTC, they're, they're like the OG roller coaster manufacturer. Is this one of those situations where it's like, yeah, they make toboggans in the winter and then they've just got the tools lying around? Yes, that's literally, just... I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure that's literally <laughs> what it was. Um and it's then, like RMC. Yeah, yeah, I believe it's like 19 teens, this mm. this version of the carousel. It was in a park okay. in Michigan somewhere. And then they were like, oh, we need this, you know, we want this really ornate old school one. So they bought it and they got Arrow, who they were working with at the time, on pretty much everything to completely, yeah. you know, strip it back, repaint it, overhaul it. And they were like, sick. They probably ended up spending like three times as much as to just buy a brand new carousel. <laughs> and realistically, we can have this discussion now and some people will be like, oh, cool. But how many guests honestly know that this they're riding an over 100 year carousel compared to, you know, if they just bought a expensive new one that would have still been cheaper? <laughs> I heard it's that thing where the cost that they put into this carousel, they could have bought like three brand new, much mm. larger and much more efficient carousels. Because it was that thing where it's like, when this one breaks down, you can't just go and call up your regular mechanic because it's using like ancient technology. So you have to go and get someone who <laughs> specializes powered. in this. It's, it's like there's a there's, there's a, a sp- little man in there who's like spinning <laughs> it around. Of smoke coming out the top at all times. <laughs> but I, I really like this one because you can actually hear and look, it may just be really good speakers, but from what I know, they've actually got one of the original automated organs inside it. So they don't use the the speakers that they do at some places, but it sounds legit. So uh, yeah. if anyone wants to it's prove a good me fake, wrong, if not, there's an opportunity. Uh, you can be the I, do, I love that, that calliope <laughs> type sound that you do get from yes. the actual old school carousels. That I've always you said you can't really fake it. So if you if they have faked it, good job. <laughs> and like the the original pipe organs that they used to have at like country fairs and all of that. Every now and then they have it at the Royal Easter Show. It's a traveling thing. And I've always said that if I ever make it like stupidly rich, if I ever just come into a lot of money, I am getting a room in my house and I am setting up like it's going to look like the inside of a circus. I'm mm. going to have one of those automated. Uh, pipe organs with yeah. the chimes on them as well, and they like automate the drums. Oh, they're, they're just so cool, and they some, sound amazing. I love, I love that, and I love old school little robotic men. You know, they're like real <laughs> automata, like yeah, the, the automatons. Yeah, before animatronics, like essentially this old school. They just do something real simple and silly, but then you're like, oh, this is like 200, 300 years old. How did mm. they figure this 
you know, out back then. Where now, do you yeah, know what? Sure, it'd be easy. Do you know what else you're gonna then? get? Oh, uh, here we Zoltar. go. You're gonna uh, get apparently. Zoltar. <laughs> you love Zoltar. You're apparently. gonna get Zoltar tattoo. That's what. <laughs> what's gonna happen? I don't know when I said it, but apparently I did. So right, I'm being it's held true. to it. <laughs> I was there. So, but other than that, like the carousel is. It's the carousel for adults. If you don't have kids, you end up just riding it. it for the photo. Like, yeah, I, I go just... on it once. It's one of the first rides I ever did at the Magic Kingdom, weirdly, too. I don't know why. Oh, really? Yeah. I think I've it, if I've seen it, like there's a picture of you on it from yeah. that the first time. day in, in the Magic Kingdom. Yeah. yeah I don't know why, but special. it must have just uh, it called to me. It must have just called out to me and I, I had to do it. It was the law. There's... There's always rides like that. When I first went to Hong Kong Disney, I don't think I've ever told this story. Um, when I went there back in 2015, I went into the park to get my season passes, but I had like 30 minutes that I had to be back in the city to visit my parents mm-hmm. for dinner. So I was like, well, I got a little bit of time to kill before the train. So I just did like a circuit around the park. And then I got by Space Mountain Oh, and I yeah. see that there's like a five minute wait. And well, I'm like, if I must. <laughs> well, I'm here. So I just jump on. And I have to say that feeling. I had a season pass for the first time. I'm riding Space Mountain for like the first time in t- probably five, ten years. Mm. And I'm just like, this is it. This is living. I and all of that was time. paid for by the government. There you Thanks, go. Do student government. <laughs> That I always love that feeling, and you can only ever get it as an AP at whatever park it is, big or small. Mm. That feeling of like oh, a thirty-minute wait for Space Mountain. I'll come back next week. So no like, thanks. You kind of get like almost snobbish. Where now, if you know we were to go to a Disney park, we'd be like, oh, an hour for Space Mountain. Yeah, we'll do it. <laughs> like, it's only five hours for Pandora flights of passage. <laughs> So have you heard lately, apparently, a little top tip. This is just what I've heard, and it probably mm. will change. Uh, the advertised wait times are a lot higher than the real wait times since Genie yeah. came in. This is also I'm a not going to say doing... that that's a bit of a, hey, sneaky. Oh, you better buy Genie. It's a one-hour wait. Apparently, uh, Star Wars... Big Star Wars, what's that ride called? <laughs> I can tell you who built the carousel in 1915, but I can't tell you the newest ride. Uh, Rise of the Resistance. <laughs> yeah, Rise of the Resistance was advertised as an 80-minute wait yesterday, and somebody got on in 12. Yeah. I feel like they're just <laughs> doing that Give thing. us that $15 to save that 80 minutes. <laughs> well, Actually, that's what it is. 68. It's, it's that situation of even if... If Star Wars is a walk-on, if Rise of the Resistance is something that you can just walk on, and they're even offering something like $3 or $5, they they have two options. Turn it off for the day, and then suddenly it gets really busy and they have to turn it back on, or they just keep it at that price and everyone looks at it and goes, well, that's ridiculous. Well, it's been selling out. So what's been happening? I hate people, Luke. (laughs) No, because what's been happening is it... It's selling out pretty much as soon as the park opens. Yuck. So, because people are seeing, it's becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy almost. I haven't seen in the last few days, but it definitely was happening at the start. People were seeing, oh, Rise of the Resistance sold out yesterday at 10 a.m. So, Mm. I need to buy it before 10 a.m. 
to ensure that I can get on with that $15. Oh. But what so ends up happening is everyone does that. And by one day, it sold out. The park opened at 9. It was sold out at 9.01. Oh, jeez. Is this the, the merchandise problem again where it's like Disney has a whole warehouse full of merchandise but the thing that's happening because of the 50th people at the start were running in buying all of this merchandise they weren't restocking it fast enough so then everyone was like oh my gosh it's selling out you have to buy everything you want straight away and I think Disney were kind of like hey we should just like do this on purpose (laughs) It's well, kind of so. The- from what I've heard, there is actual stock shortages at the moment. Yeah. Uh, that's this- why you remember when we—I don't know if we talked about it—but they t- they removed discounts from cast members on certain yes. lines. That was because those lines physically don't have enough stock. There's stuff that mm. existed in that the retro line, which launched like six weeks ago or something. There was stuff yeah. in that collection that was there on day one and has not come back. Jeez. But the thing I, is, Disney likes to pretend that every item is like that. Yeah. They will limit certain items per day. So the uh, popcorn buckets and the the Starbucks mugs, those will be essentially, they'll say, well, we've got 10,000 of these to sell in the next five days. So we'll put 2,000 of them out a day. And what that does is that creates this false sense of I need to buy it if I see it on the shelf. Because I came in mm. here yesterday at 4 p.m. and it wasn't here. But it's here today. So I'm in at 10 a.m. I need to buy it right away. Because if I come back again tonight, it's not going to be here. This is the thing that we're seeing with a lot of technology at the moment. Like, granted, there is a huge chip shortage at the moment because pretty much what happened is a lot of companies went oh no COVID let's shut down our factories yeah. and then people at home are like oh, I actually want to buy everything and <laughs> so then they they literally couldn't adjust in time apparently this is literally <laughs> going to go on until 2023 so uh-huh. if you're looking out for an Xbox you're going to be waiting for a while but it's <laughs> what's happening for these businesses and I feel to a degree and I'm really worried about what's going to come out of this because it's almost advantageous for them because it's exactly as you said. When there's that shortage and you've been thinking about buying something, you see it and you go, I have to get that now. Maybe you yep. weren't going to get Straight that until away. a couple of months from now. You just have to get it. So I'm kind of scared as to where this is going to lead us mm. in the future and sort of if it's going to be that thing where imagine the Emporium opens and they're like, we just won't restock it for this day. Everything that's in here at the start of the day can go. And once it's off the shelves, it's gone. Could you imagine what that would do? Like people would literally run into the park, just buy as much as they could. I don't want to say this. I don't want to even (laughs) put the idea out there. It's disgusting. No one has to be, it has to be done to a scale. And I, I don't know if Disney's figured out if, you know, they've done research and be like, Oh, this is the perfect amount to make it profitable, but Hmm. not, you know, but, uh, enviable like if those mugs yeah. starbucks mugs were available all day every single day people wouldn't want them as much but we can sell you know the the research tells us we can sell ten thousand of these a day and they'll be off the shelves by 6 p.m and not back in stock where mm. they were like if we were to just have them on the shelf all day every day people would o- we'd only sell seven thousand of them a day 
if we can create this false sense of urgency in certain products, because it, it does exist in other products, there's stuff yeah. that just isn't in stock and that's fair enough. Like that, And when that does come back into stock now becomes the issue of people, the scalpers go, well, this hasn't been in stock for six months. I'm going to buy it all. Yeah. And then it we be, it briefly- comes, it's not just Disney who's doing it. It's Disney plus the scalpers and the people who miss out are the day guests who, you know, they're going to go once for the 50th anniversary. It might be the only time they go in their life. It might be the first time they've been in 10 years. If they want a piece of 50th merch, they shouldn't have to fight the scalpers and Disney for it. They should be able yeah. to give Disney their money and get the product they want in return. This is what we're starting to see with a lot of businesses that are now running like queues to buy things, which is like, give us all of your information so that we can verify that you are able to buy this product. Yeah. And it's just, it's a really awkward place to be, but it's also, it's kind of where we have to go. And this is something that's going to become more frequent, especially as we start to see companies that are pushing towards things like net zero, is that waste is a big problem as well. You don't want to produce yeah, more you can't sell. than... Exactly. So it's going to be that thing of, especially when it comes to computers and electronics and merchandise and all that, they're going to make only exactly what they can sell and things are mm. going to sell out. This It's just the way it's going to go, unfortunately. Yeah. So if you see that Starbucks Mickey cup, don't feel <laughs> like you need to buy it. But if you see the uh, the the metal lunchbox, yeah, you should buy that pretty soon because I've heard buy that's it. quite difficult to get. Uh, anyway, enough about economics. <laughs> and the carousel that somehow led us to that. Uh, let's quickly talk. We talked a little bit about it before, but the butt film Mickey's Philhar Magic. Duck butt. Duck, duck butt. butt check. Um, so, do you want to talk about this? I so, I really like this. Mickey's Philhar Magic. I understand that this version of it, uh, the screen's a bit dirty, but apparently it's under refurbishment right now, and they're, mm. they're meant to be upgrading it to new projectors. Mickey's Philhar Magic is the perfect chill zone because Florida is hot as heck. Yeah. There's never seems to be a more than a one show wait for Mickey's Philhar Magic. You can chill, get off your feet for 15 minutes in the AC. There's some nice smells throughout the show. There's a point even where they blow fans on you. So that makes mm. it even nicer and cooler. As you're saying, it's got these cool, you know, practical effect at the end of the show, but it's also got some practical effects in like the proscenium arch that flies away at the start yes. and the screen that like stretches. That's a really cool effect as well. I'm not the world's biggest 3D film fan, but this could be one of the best 3D films in the world. Yeah, so for me, it's one of those attractions. It's sort of like a, I guess you could say a sleeper hit. It's mm. something that I never go into a park thinking like, oh, a Yay, 3D film hot. that I just, yeah. like you just sit there, you watch a film, you can do that at home, but then you go into it and it's that experience of sitting in a Disney park surrounded by other people who are sitting mm -hmm. in a Disney park watching a 3D, really fun, high sort of excitement 3D film with other people. As you said, there's the, the sights, the smells, they mm. spray water on you. That always made me happy. It was just one yeah. of those things where it's like, I'm not going on to PhilharMagic as something that's like, oh, I'm going to have a do. huge th thrilling experience. It was yeah. just like... I'm here. I'm at a Disney park. This is something super special that I can't do yeah. all the time. 
And I think the big thing for that attraction for our generation is most of the films included, really the only one I can think of that doesn't fit this is Peter Pan. Those are Mm. the films that we grew up with. That Disney renaissance, that, you know, Beauty and the Beast, uh, Aladdin, Lion King. Those are the songs of our childhood. And that show essentially celebrates our childhood through Disney. So that's why, like, yeah, sure, it's just a 3D film. But it it connects with the 3D film, with the audience. It's got those tricks. It doesn't have, you know, the bucking seats like Shrek or something (laughs) like that have where it's actually uncomfortable to watch. So Mm. if you see it's a 10-minute wait, go on in, check it out if you haven't before. Don't just think, oh, it's a 3D film. I'll skip it. Because next door, which we'll talk about now, is probably going to be 10 times longer wait for a one-tenth longer ride, Peter Pan's Flight. Yes. This I is- could take it or leave Peter Pan's flight because the queue is always too long for what it's worth. This is one of the problems I always have with Peter Pan's flight is it is pretty much identical to all the other ones that are out there. And most, I think almost all except for Hong Kong, have this attraction. So if you've ridden it once, you've <clears throat> ridden it a thousand times. Like it's not yeah. going to change. So... It's just that attraction that the line is always too long. It's, it's not, not worth, worth using it. your yeah. fast pass. It's also like if you've got a lightning lane, I don't really know how that system works. Apparently you just get uh, so one lightning for lane, everything. Y- you can Peter Pan isn't one of the upcharges. Okay. So, so you can just uh, the, get- with the fifteen dollars a day, you can get Peter Pan's flight with that. Um it used to be relatively difficult to get a fast pass plus two. At a decent time, but it wasn't impossible. The hardest to get a Fast Pass Plus in this park was obviously Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. Mm. Uh, but it was probably a tied second, I would say, with Space Mountain and stuff like that. I haven't seen too much coming out of how difficult it is to get this as a Genie Reservation. But from what I'm seeing, all the pictures coming out, Genie seems to be wait 20 minutes in the standby or come back in 20 minutes in the Genie line. Yeah. Which 20 minutes isn't really enough time to walk and do another attraction anyway. So we'll see when it picks up in in Christmas, obviously. End of October, early November, really all the way through till mid-December aren't super busy periods. Apart from you get a little um, bit of busyness there around Thanksgiving weekend. But Mm. this is pretty dead around. So we're not really going to know until the Christmas week. And then we're genuinely not going to have a full, heavy, weeks-at-a-time test of the Genie system until April and then moving into summer next year. Yeah. So it's just one of those ones, like, if you see it and it's quick, get on it. If you've already done it before, then you Mm. probably don't need to do it again. Has a cool queue, this one. Has that kind of interactive queue where there's, like, a Tinkerbell, you can like a projection of Tinkerbell that actually interacts with your shadows, which is kind of cool. Uh, but still, it's not you have to do this for the queue. It's worth two hours. Wait, no, yeah. like <laughs> I would go on this if it was 20 minutes or less, definitely 30 minutes or less, maybe more than 30 minutes. Maybe come back when the fireworks are on or right at the end of the day because, yeah. We, Remember, a Disney park, if there's something you haven't done because the queues have been so long all day, you didn't want to spend your time. As soon as the park closes, 
One minute before park close, get in the queue. Because the thing that's yeah. going to happen is <laughs> as soon as the park, you can, they're not going to close you off. They'll close the queue when the park closes, not any time before. And even if it says a 40 minute wait, it's not going to be 40 minutes because they just want to, you know, send you home. They want to go home. So they'll say it's higher than it is. And as soon as the park closes, they no longer accept Genie. So that mm. it no longer is, you know, we're taking three, four Genie guests for every standby guest. It becomes we're purely taking standby guests. Yeah. Top tip. There you go. Top tip. There you go. <laughs> Everyone go to the Magic Kingdom right now and do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think then it's closed. The way, <laughs> oh, yeah, true. Well, time go wise. to the Magic Kingdom I can't Kingdom figure out time differences tomorrow. in Australia. But get there. And if you ride Peter Pan, make sure you go one minute before. There's a, they, there you go. You'll have a good day. <laughs> <laughs> so going across the way, we've now got It's a Small World. Um, it. It's a small world, is it? It sure is. (laughs) Uh, The only slightly interesting facts I know about this version are uh, it's one of the only ones that doesn't have Disney characters on the ride. Yes. Uh, And you could watch the small world load area from Pinocchio's village house. Yeah. It's also one of the- There you go. There's my two facts. (laughs) It's completely indoors, but it's also not- because it's like it's indoors, outdoors. They've got a really big awning area that yeah. goes down into Small World. So it's not like it's some not, of the other it's ones not around windowed the world. or door or doored off completely, but it is fully mm. under cover. Yeah, but it's it's a Small World. That's exactly the best way that we can describe <laughs> and it. That's if all you've I done have it. to say about that. <laughs> like, <laughs> you've done Moving it one on. place. You've done it everywhere. Uh, something that isn't in every place, but it is in two, is Under the Sea Journey of the Little Mermaid, which is available both here, which makes sense, and a Disney California Adventure, which doesn't. No. I, I only believe- thought about this the other day because I was like, oh, 2012, Disney California Adventure really made sense, you know? Cars Land makes sense. Hollywood uh, Land makes sense. Mm. Little Mermaid doesn't. <laughs> Yeah, and wasn't it done in such a way where Little Mermaid at California is set up to kind of look like a museum? Like there's a big mural and it's sort of like you're going in to see something about aquamarine life. It's based (laughs) off an actual building. So the building at Disney California Adventure, the one that you enter through, is the one that used to have our girl, Whoopi Goldberg show, oh, uh, where she plays Khalifa. Yeah, so that, um, you know, that round sort of domed building, that is an actual building based on, what's the name? I believe the story of why it fits is, remember, this is the old Paradise Pier area. It's meant to be a turn-of-the-century uh, aquarium. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so that's how to it a ki- museum. Yeah, that's how it kind of fits. But that's a bit stretching, I would say, (laughs) compared to a lot of the other thematic choices in that park. (laughs) The one at Magic Kingdom is very cool. Like, I really like the idea that you go into, you've you've sort of got a boat out the front, which is kind of, it's kind of dismantled, kind of not. It's meant to be Prince Eric's boat, I think. Yeah. Is it dismantled? I can't remember. Maybe. I'm I, remember. I know there's the castle, like you go into his castle, right? Yeah. So there's yeah. like, there's a little bit of an 
a cove area is the best yeah. way I can describe it. And so you go into the cove and to get to the actual attraction, you're going through a whole bunch of different sort of rock work formations. If you've ever been to a beach in Australia that has you know, big caves along it, there is literally a, a beach nearby called Caves Beach from where <laughs> I live. So uh, you go there and it's these big sort of smooth stone rock formations and you're going through that and eventually you start hearing some of the characters, I believe, scuttles around, like scuttles yeah, so in the an queue. Actu- it's an animatronic interactive scuttle, I believe, who ah. from what I understand, he is a fully, you know, he's not controlled, but he can actually listen to guests and react based on what they say. Oh, nice. Yeah. So that sort of like introduces you to the attraction. And then once you actually get in, you sort of get into the castle at a certain point. So you've moved out of the caves. You're going through Prince Eric's castle and you're in the the bottom area. And then mm. similarly, you then get onto your vehicle and you go through under the sea. For those who know what this attraction is, it's an Omnimover ride, so it's very similar yeah. to the technology that they use in the Haunted Mansion, and it just takes you through sort of like a, a book report version of the yeah. Little Mermaid story. However, one of the things about this attraction that always irks me is that they've released in, I believe, a DVD special for The Little Mermaid a concept of a Little Mermaid attraction that came out of Imagineering. And what the Little Mermaid attraction used was you were in a boat and similar to, I think it was Peter Pan, where they suspend you from the roof, you're Mm -hmm. on a rail, you would go on this boat through different scenes, but it was a multi-leveled building. So you would start off and you were above the water and they had these bits and effects that made it look like you were above the water and then your boat would descend into the water so that then you would be going around the same scene but you would look up and it's what you saw before and it's underneath and there'd be like Mm -hmm. water effects on it it's just a really cool cool concept so that's never been realized yeah i believe that version had tony baxter tied to it it was originally Mm. going to be one of the first expansions for disneyland paris before Ah. it kind of fell uh by the wayside uh, it was then meant what to be. What do a you part- mean? <laughs> <laughs> it was meant to be a part of Tokyo Disney Sea, um, with ah, that yeah. mermaid area. There's still the space for it is still there where it was meant to go at one point. Uh, really? You know where you can meet Ariel behind that? There's like quite an open space. That's where that oh. attraction was meant to go at one point. And then it was also going to go to Hong Kong Disneyland for opening day before that park became, why would we put anything new in here? <laughs> That's what I was about to say. Like, Luke, we all know that nothing came to Hong Kong Disneyland. Exactly. Went, oh, it's got four attractions. Yeah, that'll do. <laughs> I remember so many people's first impressions of this park was like, that. that's it? This, okay, is, this is your thanks. new park? Okay. Like, after... <laughs> You can really see why people sort of lost their trust in Eisner with the company. Yeah. Because especially it goes Paris and then Animal nice. Kingdom. And Pretty then good. it's uh, Disney Sea, which oh, isn't owned by amazing. them. And they're like, oh, amazing. And then suddenly you get DCA and everyone's like, oh. In the same year. And then as you Disney get Sea. Hong Kong Disneyland. And well, then you get like, Studios Paris the next year in 2002. 
I forgot that and then, it then he's like, I'm back, guys. Don't worry. Here it is. My <laughs> swan song. The last major thing I do is CEO. It's Disneyland, but small and nothing unique. I I admire the original idea where it was kind of like they were going to put these. From what I remember, the concept was they were going to put them all around the world and they were going to be taster parks. They were going to be mm-hmm. similar to where they are at Hong Kong. You are going to have this small Disneyland near an airport so that you would yep. have a stopover in Hong Kong and it's like, oh, let's go to Disneyland. You it's a one-day thing. Day. And then you would be like, mm, yum, yum, yum. I got a nice taste of Disney. Now I'm going to go to the real theme parks. Mm-hmm. Uh, problem was people hate that idea. Because firstly, people in that country feel scorned because they have to still pay to get a season pass to go to a worse Disney theme park. And secondly, it just doesn't work like that. Like (laughs) if the option is, well, I could go to Parrot, like from even from Australia, you're like, well, I could go to Japan or I could go to Hong Kong. It's going to cost me about the same amount of money to get to either of those locations. Ticket prices mm. are about the same. So why would I go to Hong Kong when Tokyo Disney is a bigger park? Even if I just do one of the parks, it's twice the size. Exactly. It's <laughs> as if I, I think it also came out of that positioning of that they were desperate to penetrate the Chinese market. Mm. Like they would just take anything. I remember yep. there were talks from 1999 where they were talking to Shanghai and they were talking to Beijing and they were talking to Hong Kong. And finally... Hong Kong bit, and they were like, okay, we've got one, boys. We're going in guns blazing. We also have no money. Anyway, I'm leaving now. Here's your new CEO. (laughs) Bye. Thanks, guys. (laughs) See ya. Yeah, it's a weird one, that park. But Under the Sea, Journey of the Little Mermaid, it's got the cool and the Ursula's cool. Yeah. When that's the best part of the ride. Yeah, that's always a funny (laughs) picture. But yeah, it. This was one of the, when they did the new Fantasyland expansion to this area, this was one of the big things in new Fantasyland. There was only two attractions. Uh, I guess there was three. Um, We may as well talk about this one next. It's not on the map at the moment and it may or may not come back. uh, Mm. But Belle's story time extravaganza. What's that ride called? That experience yeah, called? Yeah, so I was actually just looking at the attractions list and I was like, ah, oh, Fantasyland's actually, it doesn't have as much as I thought. Like, it's a really big land. There's not much going on in mm. Fantasyland as well. But you're right. So it is missing and it was one of these, like, this was part of the Living Character Initiative, wasn't it? So uh, so it's a weird carryover, this one. When they first announced uh, New Fantasyland, it actually mm. had three of these type of attractions. There was oh, wow. a Bell one, a Cinderella one, and a Snow White one, I believe. Uh, I all remember following this same about story. The Cinderella one. Yeah, and it was they announced it, and it was like, oh, it's all these interactive character opportunities that are half show, half character meet and greet, half experience, one and a half full rides. There you go. Uh, but it came out, and they were all the complaints upon an announcement were so you're making an entire new land for girls only. Mm. And for li- like for you know under twelve year old girls only, because it's all princess stuff. It's all mostly glorified meet and greets. There was no yeah. new ride. Oh, the- there might have been you know Little Mermaid, but that was the only new attraction. 
Uh, and that's why two of them got replaced with Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. This yeah. one, Enchanted Tales with Bell, was the only one to survive that kind of I, new fantasy land. I've done this. So I did this in 2016, uh, to, late 2015, sorry, 15 when I came with to me, visit yeah. you. And I didn't do it when I went back in 2019. 19. I can't really yep. remember why, but we just didn't really do it. I It's quite a think... lengthy experience. It's about 30 minutes, yeah. even with no queue. So, yeah. And it's one of those things, like, it's got a really cool effect in it. So there's one effect where you see, like, the beast gave a magic mirror mm. to uh, Belle's dad so that he could check in on them. And then you cast this spell and suddenly the mirror opens and becomes like a full door. It's very cool how it's done because you do not see it coming. And and the animatronic uh, Lumiere is really cool as well. And the wardrobe as well. The wardrobe is fun. Where she talks to you and then they can get stuff out of the wardrobe part, but it's still like a full animatronic. That was cool. But 100% this ride is not for adults. It's for kids. And adults, unless you're, like, there to pique your curiosity, if you're interested in sort of how rides work and some interesting effects, it it can be kind of fun. But when we did it, I was like, wow, I saw the effects. I want to go. Yeah, it's kind of (laughs) you spend most of your time just waiting for the next cool effect. Because, you know, they'll be like, oh, and we need a prince for our story. And they'll give, like, a cutout of a... A prince, and then you have you to go were stand a soldier. up there. Yeah, <laughs> once. I don't know why I always got dragged into it, but um, I probably have been in that show. If I maybe saw it four times, I think I was in at three of them. Like Good. I don't, I must have looked approachable <laughs> or something. But yeah, it, they just pick people. It's it's cool, but it's mm. not worth going out of your way to do if you don't have a kid. I'm sure if you have a kid. They would absolutely love it because you get to meet Belle and you get to go, you get to go through, you know, Maurice's cottage. You get to go to the Beast Castle through a magic mirror. You get to see Lumiere and Belle and all Mm. like kids would absolutely love this for sure. A hundred percent. It's one of those ones that if you're a family, definitely go and do it. I would say that if you're at the Magic Kingdom for two weeks or sorry, Walt Disney World. (laughs) Uh, Two weeks in the Magic Kingdom? Oh, look, some people have probably done it, but if you're at Walt Disney World for two weeks and you've got a day to kill, like sometimes you just have those things where it's like, well, I haven't done this yet, so I may as well go (laughs) and do it. Just just go and do that. But it's not something where if you're like there for four days, it's like you don't really need to rush and do it. I think we've, we've, we've said this a few times across this series. There's those attractions that you have to do on the first day in the Magic Kingdom 100% and every day you can probably do it again. And then there's the kind of stuff you won't get till till your second day. And then there's the ones you won't get till your (laughs) third day. And this, I would say, is a third day thing. Yeah. Do you know what I was just thinking? We should go through some really popular parks and, like, have a scale of need. And the scale of need is how desperately you have to do it. And so you just go through and it's like, if you're a family, uh, scale of need, it's like a a green, red, and yellow light. It's like red just means you really don't have to do it. Green means you definitely have to do it. And yellow is like, ah, if you want. (laughs) There we go. There's a new system. Uh, um, We've only got a couple more attractions to talk about in Fantasyland. But 
Next up, we'll talk about the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh, the Pooh version of this ride. (laughs) So this is the version that's also at Hong Kong Disneyland, and it's fine. It's cute. It's Winnie the Pooh. You can't it's really also get mad about this attraction. They built this oh, as an yeah. opening day attraction at Shanghai, even though a better version existed just around the corner. Because <laughs> of merchandising. Yeah. <laughs> but there is a version of Pooh Bear. It's not like a one-for-one replica, but it pretty much follows like an almost identical story uh, at Tokyo Disneyland, and it is phenomenal. It uses the trackless dark ride system and it's an early version, but it's all just, it's perfected. It is, in my opinion, one of the best uses of a trackless dark ride system somehow. Which is crazy. It's the first one. (laughs) They started using this technology outside of Tokyo like 10 years down the line and still didn't use it as well as they did in that part. Remember the first use of it at Disneyland? Roller licking roadsters? I remember everyone being like, this is going to be trackless. And as we've said before, it's a better attraction to watch, <laughs> to watch. than to be on. <laughs> <That's>, so- <laughs> uh, if you ever watch my videos, I put that anytime I can talk about Disneyland, I put the video in of that ride a lot because it looks mm. cool to watch. It's <laughs> so- very cool, right? Yeah. But you definitely don't have to, to go on it. But yeah, Winnie the Pooh, I've done this version a couple of times. I've done it both at Walt Disney World and at Hong Kong Disneyland. And as I said, it's it's cute, it's fun, it's just... Um, and that's it, yeah. It's a storybook ride. It's just on yeah, rails. So this is kind of the... Another... I would say this and Little Mermaid are both kind of modern interpretations of classic Fantasyland-style dark rides. Yeah. And I would say Little Mermaid probably does it better because Winnie the Pooh is just too static for me. There's no animatronics. Mm. They're just kind of statues that might have a little bit of movement. But if your kids love Winnie the Pooh, they're going to love it no matter what. Yeah. I feel like The Little Mermaid is more realized than Winnie the mm. Pooh. Winnie the Pooh just kind of feels like it was all slapped together really. feels like budget like, cuts the ride. Yeah, it's quite <laughs> cheap looking. <laughs> and so it's just that thing where it's like you could tell that they built it on the cheap and it's... I don't know. Yeah. I know some people love this attraction, but for me, especially coming from the trackless dark ride, it just it's it doesn't it's hold right. up. It's yeah, it's a yellow on my system of <laughs> the, need. The new scale. <laughs> but the lucky last thing, and I would say this for a lot of people, I'm not necessarily saying for me, but for a lot of people, this is the must-do attraction in Fantasyland at the Magic Kingdom and the newest attraction of Fantasyland, Seven Dwarves Mine Train. Mm. Now, so, yeah. Do you like this? I don't know. <laughs> if I can walk onto it, it's fun. But I would almost say the exact same as Peter Pan. It's not worth the weights that it gets. Yeah, so Walt Disney World falls victim to this a lot. And I, I actually feel like a lot of Disney theme parks do as well where when something opens, no matter whether it's spectacular or whether it's okay, it will always get obscenely long lines just because people say it's that thing where it's like, you have to do this. It's part Mm -hmm. of the the whole Disney experience and similar to what we were talking about earlier in which like when you have Disney uh, Genie Plus and then you see that it sold out the day before, well, by golly, you better buy one of those (laughs) Lightning Lane tickets because 
that's pretty much how Disney works now these days. They push you into forced payments and buy their glistening ears. So <laughs> it's just one of those things where it's like Seven Dwarves Mine Train, I I think it's fun. It's a very decent roller coaster and it's also one of those perfect roller coasters that is a step up from the Barnstormer, an attraction yeah. which we talked about in an earlier episode, which is just a junior coaster, but it's also a little less intense than things like Big Thunder Mountain or Space Mountain. So it sort of fills that void of being sort of your kid's first non-junior roller coaster, like yeah. a, a more intense experience. Plus, I also think that the animatronics are quite well done. The yeah. show scene's really nice. And at the end, where they're all dancing around in the hut and the witch is looking at them, that's a really good animatronic. I really like that. But Yeah, I, I think it's cool, but almost the promises of it kind of didn't live up to uh, what the final realization was. Because I remember when they were advertising it, you know, it was all like, oh, and when you sit in the in the car, it's going to swing. Like, it's actually a mine car and it's going to swing. We've got these animatronics that are using this brand new, never before seen effect. Mm. And it, the swinging, you don't really feel. And the animatronics are like, yeah, that's kind of cool. But I would prefer an old school animatronic. Yeah, it's I feel like this attraction was hyped up. A lot more than actually what it turned out to be. And exactly as you were saying, the the swinging ride vehicles, I remember everyone being like, this is going to be insane. You're going to fly out of your seats. (laughs) But then when you actually ride it, I can't feel it. I can't feel the effect. It's I've heard it it described as like- The ride's banking, which it should do anyway. (laughs) So it's just one of those things where it's like, I can see this technology working great. In a more intense thrill ride. But just in this, it's kind of like... Feels like a proof of concept, (laughs) almost. (laughs) Yeah. Which I think it was. Like, that is now an actual ride vehicle that you can get. Yeah, there's something else out there that uses it too. Not a Disney ride. Mm. And I I don't think it's one of the major parks. I can't remember where it is. But that's all the attractions. I would say even for the shopping, there's nothing really amazing to talk about. Uh, For the dining... The two I would say that are actually worth discussing, one I've never been to, so I can't discuss it that much, would be Cinderella's Royal Table, which is the castle on the second floor of the... uh, Sorry, the the restaurant (laughs) at the second floor of the castle, which is like uh, princess character dining. Yeah. And I haven't done it, but it's worth pointing out because it's about $85 or something per person, US, plus tax, plus gratuity. So I didn't really eat much in Fantasyland. In my opinion, it's sort of, it was always busy, but it's also like you can get better food elsewhere in the park. And even though it's Fantasyland, it's the same food that you can kind of get everywhere else. It's like you can get a hot dog and a burger, but it'll be like the Uh, royal burger. Please, there's one thing you can only get in Fantasyland, (laughs) the Mr. Toad Burger. So don't you dare shame the park as if that you can't get the tongue, olives for eyes, pickle for tongue, absolute filth that is the Mr. Toad's Wild Burger or whatever it's called. I'm I'm so sorry. I did not mean to offend everyone out there. I feel like there's an attraction we missed as well, and I can't see it on the map, but 
I think it's because they're not doing it at the moment. Oh, mad tea but- party. We didn't talk about spin and spew. Oh, yeah, you, it's Mad you, Tea Party is Mad Tea Party. But there's also uh, another attraction where you fantasy, can go and meet the, fantasy the uh, Princess Fantasy Hall. Yeah. yeah. Which is not re- It's just walk in. Okay, you can meet these princesses. You There's two sides of it, I think. Mm. And it depends essentially on who the most popular characters are at the time. Uh, so you can see, like, you know, Cinderella, Rapunzel, Elsa and Anna were there for the longest time. I'm not sure if they're still there, uh, but it's a character, a glorified character meet and greet. But a lot of people aren't happy that that's there because it did actually replace an attraction. What did it replace? Uh, Snow White. Scary uh, Adventures. Yep. Yeah. It is one of those things, and we had a very interesting experience with this. We would not have done this otherwise, but we were at the park until like 2 a.m. on this day and we oh, had time to kill. So we thing. went in here to meet Elsa and Anna. And yeah. I remember we walk in where these two big boys walk in and I swear Anna was like, someone call security, please. I'm not okay. We <laughs> have was a no picture cute. with her. And- Just walked in, strolled in. <laughs> she looks terrified and she was like, thanks for coming. Bye. Bye. <laughs> get, to out go, like, get out of here. And then we met Elsa. Yeah. And... Elsa, like, just started talking to us. She heard our accent. And I don't know whether I should say this, but she, like, immediately broke character and just started, like, talking to us. Yeah. She was just like, oh, you're from Australia. I heard they have Tim Tams there. And because there were no other guests around, she's just sort of, like, standing there, hands on hips, just, like, having a chat to us about our day. There's probably a picture still of us with her out there. So Um, if she still works for the park... Then the next group walked in who had kids and you could just watch her, like straight in her posture. And they, oh, thank you so much for coming yeah. to Kingdom of Arendelle. <laughs> Great to see you guys. Like, I thought for a second. jumped back in. That she was like a friend of yours. I was, she was so <laughs> casual. Yeah. I was like, oh, she must have known you from in the park. But apparently not. She just didn't care. <laughs> Which I just quickly jumped into Google Street View to figure out the like actual name of this Princess Fairy Tale mm. Hall. And it was very telling. Even the Street View. Uh, they currently have Rapunzel and Cinderella, wait time 30 minutes, and Anna and Elsa, wait time one hour. Ooh. Very a long time to wait. Yeah. Remember when they came first came to Epcot and it was like three hours? Yes. To me. Very Ugh. long time. Gross. Uh, but yeah, the one I would say a lot of people's don't miss, a, not attraction, sorry, dining option at Fantasyland in the Magic Kingdom is the Be Our Guest restaurant, which has changed a fair bit since uh, we went there. So we went there for lunch, which used to be a la carte, order off the menu, uh, free refills on the soda. That was the only place Ooh. in Magic Kingdom you could get free refills. Where now it's a price fix menu, so you pay one price, you get two or three courses, whatever it is. Mm. It used to be cooler when you could just, it was just essentially a quick service restaurant at the end of the day. Uh, I don't want to pay $80 to eat at Be Our Guest. I want to pay $20 to eat at Be Our Guest and get that cool experience. I have done it uh, twice during the night. And same sort of thing. It's kind of... They've got the beast walking around during the night. You can get a photo with the beast. But even back then, it wasn't price fixed, but it was, um, you know, the menu was a more expensive menu at 
at the nighttime. And yeah. even then, before price fix, I wouldn't necessarily have said it's worth the money, but it is really cool. The food hmm. just isn't, you're paying almost 50% of what you pay for the experience compared to the food quality. <laughs> Yeah, so this is one of those ones, especially when it opened, it used a lot of gimmicks to sort of draw people in. And as you said, we went for lunch a couple of times and I I really like the setting. It's one of those places mm. that there's nothing else really like it uh, for eating lunch in the Magic Kingdom. There's a couple of things like it at Epcot and all of that. But this is probably one of the best places to get lunch in Disney World. At the same time, used to be now yeah, it's not so be, much sorry. now. The price fix, yeah, yeah. The other thing about it that, well, I remember we had an experience where they the like rows that you get on the table, yeah, which they give to you to determine what you get to eat. So you order they track it front. you essentially. Yeah, it's how they can deliver your food to you. It's like a little hmm. GPS type tracker. Uh, so now, well, now it's more. Uh, actual servers style but then they moved from the rows to just the magic bands it was built into yeah. all the magic bands but yeah they used to give it to you when you order and then that's how they would deliver your food but ours broke remember yeah. when we went for lunch and we we're like we just kind of oh, twiddling thumbs for a while it took like an hour and we called someone and we're like uh, where's our food and they were like oh Oh, and they checked it and they took the rose and then that she came back. She came back with our food, but we also got a free gray stuff, which was really nice. Yeah, and she gave us a number of dream fast passes. Yes, as because well. we took uh because Yeah, we, she was like, Oh sorry so it took time. so long. I think she gave us like three fast passes we could use on any attraction in the Magic Kingdom yeah. each. So But that was they They always say it's like any attraction. Except Seven Dwarves Mind Train. No, those ones did, because I remember they were really? the, the, the no-strings vouchers, which we were used to be able to give out as cast members, and those had no restrictions. Oh, wow. You could get, if you got like a, oh, sorry that your ride broke down, have a, a fast pass that can be used on any attraction, uh, except Space Mountain, Seven Dwarves Mind Train, and there was like a tiering yeah. system <laughs> in the back end. And if you were on an A-tier ride, which was Seven Dwarves, Space Mountain, or Peter Pan, your return ticket could be used on any of those three and anything else in the park. But if you were on B-tier, you couldn't use it on those A-ticket, kind of, sorry, A-tier experiences. But I think we have done it. I think we've tackled Fantasyland. It took us almost two episodes because we did <laughs> already talk about uh, the storybook circus area of Fantasyland, which was the second hmm. half of the big new Fantasyland expansion uh, a few, well, almost 10 years ago now, which is crazy. But any final thoughts of Fantasyland before one episode to go? The, we've almost done it. We've got one episode left of Magic Kingdom. Before we go to Tomorrowland next week, any final thoughts on Fantasyland? So we didn't really talk much about it, but another really cool spot is around the Gaston's Tavern mm. area. You can get some really nice drinks. You can sort the of get... cinnamon roll is really good. Yes. But uh, share it between uh, probably four people or you're going <laughs> to get a toothache and you will feel sick. It's that big. Like, it is mm. massive. They sort of have, I can't really remember what it is, but it's kind of like a Gaston's drink that is, I 
feel like it's Disney's answer to Butterbeer, but I can't really yeah, remember LeFou's the drink. Brew, it's called. Yeah. It was nice. I yeah. enjoyed it. It's kind of like it's apple Butterbeer. slush <laughs> topped with like marshmallow foam. And yeah, mm. it's tasty, but it's no frozen butterbeer on a hot summer's day. I can still taste butterbeer. Like when I mm. think about it, I'm like, mm, num, 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 mm. num. I've ne- this could be a hot topic. I've mm. never had the normal butterbeer. I've only ever had frozen. Really? Yeah. So the normal I've butterbeer. I've had the hot one and the frozen one, never the normal Ugh, one. The hot one? Yuck. The hot one's good. <laughs> Kind of. Yeah, it's about two weeks of the year that you can have it in Florida, but I had it and it just tastes like a like a butterscotch hot chocolate. Okay, I guess that's all right. But did you ever have it? Were you saying no. Uber? You've never. Oh, it's, it's just I imagine them taking the butterbeer and like oh, chucking it in the microwave. It <laughs> oh, it's curdling. <laughs> have you ever seen videos where they like take Coke and they boil it and then it turns yep. into like tar? Like, oh mm, yeah, that's yum, what they served. Tar. A cup of tar. You had to eat it with a spoon. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think that wraps it up. We can talk yeah. about that when we talk about Universal Studios. Oh, probably that'll be never. another ten <laughs> episodes. This is just Magic Kingdom. Imagine what we do Disneyland. Oh my goodness! It has twice as many rides. There'll be three well, episodes per land. I'm <laughs> going to predict it. I don't think that we're going to be able to get through all of Tomorrowland in one episode. I think oh, we're going to have well, to do a two-parter. Because it's a missed finding. Oh, go on. It's the part of Disney that I know the most about. Yeah, it's probably the so- part that we, the land that we would have spent the most time in whenever we go to this park. So tune in to see if we can figure it all out in one episode. A big mystery that will be answered on next week's episode of Review Time's Theme Park cast. But in the meantime, if you'd like to get in touch with me, you can do so at Review Time Luke on Twitter. You can also find me at Review Time Dom. You can find us both at Time Review or at Review Time everywhere else. And hey, check out our brand new website, ReviewTime.com. There's some little stuff up there that you might not see anywhere else instead of including some cute little pictures of our faces. So if you don't know what we look like, there you go. But we'll be back next week with our final, maybe, episode exploring the Magic Kingdom on its 50th anniversary, even though it's now six <laughs> weeks since its 50th. It's almost December. Like- oh, well, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Review Time's theme podcast is brought to you by Luke Carroll and Dominic Lacey. A big shout out goes to our newest patron, Brendan Gardiner, long-term Patreon, Jake Cool, and to you, the listener. Review Time's theme podcast will be back next week.